Well, hey, what is going on? Happy Saturday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, myself and Trace Fowler discuss Friday night's Reds game. I'll recap all the Reds minor league action, including Nick Lodolo, who pitched in an actual game in Arizona, and preview Saturday's Reds game. But first, here's what went down on Friday night at PNC Park in Pittsburgh, a place that the Reds had lost seven straight games entering Friday. Pirates starting pitcher Johan Oviedo came into Friday night's start having only allowed two runs over his last three starts. And the Reds' offense came in averaging just over three runs a game over their last seven games. But of course, the Reds put up three runs on Oviedo before he even recorded an out. TJ Friedel returned to the Reds' leadoff spot, and he worked a six-pitch walk to get the game started. Matt McLean then smoked a single up the middle, Ellie De La Cruz hit a slider into right field for a triple to make it 2-0 Reds, and then Spencer Steer doubled to put the Reds up 3-0. Score stayed that way until the top of the fourth. Stuart Fairchild was hit by a pitch. Will Benson singled, and then Luke Maley hit a three-run home run to put the Reds up 6-0. It was home run number five on the season for Luke Maley. Andrew Abbott dominated the Pirates the first two times through the lineup. He allowed just one hit, and it was a weak dribbler in the fourth inning. Brian Hayes did spoil the shutout. He had a solo home run with two outs in the sixth. Then Brian Reynolds technically doubled. It was a pretty bad misplay by Spencer Steer. And then Andrew McCutcheon singled, and that was it for Andrew Abbott's day. Still, nonetheless, a really good start from Abbott. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Derek Law came in and got Abbott out of the sixth inning and then also pitched a scoreless seventh. In the top of the eighth, the Reds looked for some insurance runs. Stuart Fairchild and Will Benson each singled. Then Luke Maley bunted them over. TJ Friedel singled. To make it 7-2 Reds, Ellie De La Cruz singled to make it 8-2 Reds, and then Spencer Steer singled to make it 9-2 Reds. The nine runs were the most runs the Reds have scored in a game since they also scored nine runs back on August 1st. Brett Kennedy threw two shutout innings to finish off the game, and the Reds won 9-2 to improve to 61-57 on the season. The Reds ended their seven-game losing streak at PNC Park. The Marlins lost and the Cubs won, so the Reds are now tied with the Cubs for the final NL wildcard spot. Reds are also now just two behind the San Francisco Giants, who lost their third straight game for the second NL wildcard spot. Marlins just a half game back of the Reds and Cubs, and the Diamondbacks, they're three behind the Reds and Cubs, and they've lost nine straight games. Brewers came back and won again in extra innings on Friday night, so the Reds remain two and a half back in the NL Central. 
Some news and notes from this game and before the game, Christian Encarnacion Strand was hit on the hand on Friday night. He did stay in the game to run, but was pinch hit for in his next at-bat. CES was the DH on Friday night. After the game, it was reported that the x-rays did come back negative, so fingers crossed he is okay. Jonathan Indio was hoping to come back on Friday night, but he felt increasing pain in his foot while running during his recovery. A new MRI, MRI revealed that India has a more significant tear in his foot, and he will be shut down for at least two weeks. Surprising move, Nixon Zell was sent down to AAA for Henry Ramos. More on that a little later on. Here's what David Bell had to say about Friday night's Reds win. This is uh, the new lineup, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll stick with it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, first inning was felt uh, important at the time, just getting off to a good start like that. Um, you know, top of the order contributed, but really our offense kind of felt like it had when we were um, really rolling, where we were getting contributions all the way throughout the lineup, uh, one through nine tonight. Um, the add-on runs were important, but just good quality at bats uh, throughout the night, and uh, you know all the way down through Luke, who had the big three-run homer and nice punt. And then, uh, but yeah, the top of the order kind of got us going. Andrew Abbott, two runs, nine strikeouts. I mean, what else can you say about him? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great start. I mean, he threw strikes. Um, that's one thing with our pitching, um, our starters and, and our relievers have been doing a good job of throwing strikes, and you, know, you can't just lay it in there. So they're, you know, they're trusting their ability, they're trusting their stuff to get out in the strike zone, and that, that has really helped, and Andrew was uh, great with that tonight. He also got the strikeouts. Right-handed hitting lineup and uh, really made the plate bigger on them by being able to pitch inside. So um, that was, um, it was very effective in there against uh, the right-handed hitters. And here's what TJ Friedel had to say about the win and moving back to the leadoff spot. Three of you at the top getting shuffled around a little differently. What did you think about the way I set up and then see how it worked so well in the first inning? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, Feeling out different things for me. I've been lead off. I've been to. I've been kind of everywhere. So, you know, just uh, another day, another another day as usual. Um, didn't really think too much into it. Just you know, I know the leadoff role. Get on base for the guys behind me. Kind of uh, set the tone. Use my leg speed, stuff like that. So uh, that first inning was kind of you know, right how you draw it up. It was perfect. Uh, getting on base with with the walk like that, and, and then Maddie hitting the line drive to center, and and Ellie just you know bringing us both in. Um, and that kind of set the tone from the get-go, you know, getting out to an early lead like that and Abbott doing his thing like he always does, just kind of keep him off balance. You know, he really had that fastball working in on the righties today, which uh, was incredible to watch from center field. So, yeah. How much confidence does Andrew Abbott give you guys every time he takes the field? Yeah, it's amazing. Like, uh, you know, and that, that goes for a lot of our pitchers as well. Uh, a lot of our pitchers go out and they challenge hitters, and that's all you can ask from a pitching staff is just to go out there and challenge every hitter they face. Um, and, and he does that very well. You know, he, like I said, he had that fastball working for him today, pounding the zone in, getting on the hands of the righties, setting up his changeup and his slider and his curveball really nicely. So, um, you know, like I said, it was just fun to watch from center, just watching him fill up the zone, pound the zone, and um, he you know, did amazing like he always does. So. And how about your veteran, Luke Maley? Yeah, stud, stud. He's a stud. Um, you know, he's, he's been such a big piece of this team from day one, from spring training and on. 
um, just having that veteran presence and, um, you know, he's, he's helped us in a lot of big situations. Um, and like today, another big example, that was kind of like a good exclamation point, some insurance on, on a, um, you know, a tough at bat and a good pitcher as well. Um, so, you know, that was, that was pretty sweet. You guys, last time you were here, you guys were scuffling, you got swept, you went off to a real big start. Yeah. Now you come back and obviously you're in the middle of a pennant race. What has happened in that ensuing four months? You know, I think early on we were trying to find our identity. Um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, everyone remembers that series last time we were here. Uh, it was tough. It was tough getting runners on base. And then once we got runners on base, we, everyone was kind of struggling getting those runners in. And it felt like felt like the weight of the world was on your shoulders when you had runners on base. Um, you know, we, we kind of talked about that as a team. We sat down and, and kind of talked about those situations and, and the next guy up mentality throughout this team. And, um, you know, since that series that we had here, we've, we've kind of settled down, settled in, and, and just been ourselves and, and played as ourselves. And, um, you know, I think that shows where we are now. And now we're in middle of August, right in the race, um, just playing some good baseball. So I'm just going to look to continue to go from there. Well, Luke Maley's 410-foot three-run home run at 101.8 off the bat was our Deep Drive of the Day, sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuels production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Deep South Commodities. Looking through the box score from Friday night, Luke Maley, 1-for-2, hit his fifth home run of the year. Will Benson, 3-for-4. Ellie De La Cruz, 2-for-5 with a triple. Spencer Steer, 2-for-5 with a double. TJ Friedel, 1-for-3 with two walks. And then, of course, Derek Law, inning in a third, one hit, no runs, no walks. All right. Well, now to myself and Trace Fowler discussing the Reds game on Friday night on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. It's nice to see everybody. It's nice to get a Reds win. And you know what? Not even have to fret over it. Not even have to worry about it. It's been a long time since I feel like we've been, been in this position. I don't even know when. The, I can't even remember the last time we've been in this position where you don't really have a lot of... Uh, you don't have a lot of things that went wrong, per se. You know, I mean, there really wasn't. I mean, outside of a couple maybe misplays of of, of a rocky, I don't even know what inning that was, but the inning obviously where Steer overran the ball at third base and then Stuart Fairchild got a little bit of a bad jump. I think it's a little overplayed by saying he should have caught it. That's being a little unfair to Stuart Fairchild. But he got a little bit of a bad jump. And then thankfully, I think uh, Derek Law came in and, and got an out. And uh, we just... Kind of got out of that inning a little unscathed. But outside of that inning, I don't really think there was another inning where I ever thought this game was in doubt. Did you feel that way at all at any moment? Not not in doubt. It did get a little, you know, hairy in the uh, sixth inning. Pirates uh, were down 6-2. They had two runners on, I think, against Derek Law, but Law got out of that. That was probably the only time it maybe felt a little bit trying, I guess. But, yeah, just, uh, man, we needed this. Uh, Reds got a day off yesterday. Felt like maybe it did him some good. Dave Bell shaked with the lineup. Seemed to work. Uh, just uh, you needed this one. You needed this one bad. And uh, now you need to kind of grind in and find a way to take two or three on the road. No doubt. And it also stinks that the White Sox absolutely suck. So there's that. Let's talk about Andrew Abbott. 
He was in command. You know what the first thing I thought of today when I was like, well, let's discuss Andrew Abbott. The first thing I thought about was there was the question that was asked us a little bit earlier this year, which was this was after I mean, I think it was like Abbott's second start. And the question was like, hey, is Andrew Abbott going to be the same strikeout guy that he's been basically throughout his minor league career, right? He, he, he struck out a good amount of guys in double-A, then he moved to triple-A and still continued to, to, to keep that same pace up. And then in the, the first few starts in the in the majors, he didn't really pile up strikeouts in the way in which he was doing in the minor leagues. And and I think we were in a position where uh, maybe you would question whether or not he would, he would kind of have a high strikeout um, total from game to game. And I think we even said, ah, it's probably unrealistic to expect him to keep that pace up. I'm not saying he's there yet, Nick, but he's certainly starting to look a little bit more like the guy that can get as many strikeouts as he was at the minor league level at a major league level. Maybe not as many, but pretty damn close, if we're being completely honest. When, it, when Andrew Abbott's throwing strikes, he's an incredible pitcher. I mean, the, the times that it feels like he's struggled just been the times he's struggled with his command, and I feel like that's pretty normal for... Not even just rookies, but a lot of pitchers. Right, I mean, just yeah. have days where they don't. Last time he didn't, today, he was able to throw first pitch strikes. He was able to attack the hitters, and it felt like the Pirates really had no chance till they had the third time through the lineup. Uh, he only allowed two hard-hit balls and didn't walk a batter. I mean, that is as good of a performance as you could have. I know maybe the final line, the five and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, that second earned run is pretty garbage because steer should have made that play so really it should be five and two-thirds one but yeah. uh he, he was almost I, I mean i know he had a couple starts where he put up like these ridiculous numbers but this is up there as one of his best starts and uh you know it kind of felt like all right andrew abbott two starts as he start looking like a rookie going forward and it feels like every time we've kind of felt like all right maybe andrew abbott's gonna start struggling here for a little while he's he's found a way to have a start like this and kind of reel us all back in and go, have this hope that Abbott can just continue to do something that's not normal. I mean, a 2.95 ERA this late in the season, it's not normal what he's doing. Um, it was at the hope he can continue to do it because he's been incredible. Well, he just might be good. I mean, that's the part that's that, that that's the weird thing about this year in general. And I've said that a thousand times. And I feel like on this show, when you do 160 plus shows or whatever it is that we're probably going to end up doing this year, you inevitably say things what you feel like is over and over again. Um, whether that be at the end of the day, whether that be any other the types of things that I say all, all the time. But the one thing I keep hearkening back on is is that we have no clue what the back of these baseball cards are ultimately going to look like for, for almost the entire roster. All, all, genuinely, almost the entire roster. And would it, would, it, would it shock any of us if Matt McClain, his numbers dropped us a little bit, but they stayed right around the same, and he had a 20-year career, and, 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 and he reminds us of like a Scott Rowland-type player, and he just has a Hall of Fame-type career? Wouldn't shock me. It also wouldn't shock me if, if you know, he ends up being a solid player, but maybe not like a Hall of Fame player. And that's a pretty drastic difference between the two. Uh, Ellie's the same way in a way. He could end up being one of the best players that ever played the game, but he also could be a guy that has two or three unbelievable years and he kind of flames out. I would like to venture to think it's probably going to be the, uh, the aforementioned version. But Andrew Abbott might just be great. He might be good. He might be Tom Glavin, Tom Glavin esque, or he might be a flash in the pan. And next year he's got a five ERA, and we're you know you got a half a Twitter 
excuse me, I'll do I'll be better. The X app telling him that we should we should trade him and DFA him and he should get out of here. Who knows? It's a wild season. What a what a what a wild ride we're on. It's 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 it is unbelievable how many people think they know what we have. I I I just I I don't I don't I don't get it. I mean I, I I really genuinely don't get it. I don't get how this many people, and I say this many people, I'm talking about people that actually have a platform, people that actually have people that follow them, people that actually should have some substance behind what they say, people that should have a little bit of intellectual qualities to them if they have the amount of people that follow them. I don't understand how you can sit here and act like you know what you got. You have you you have you have no clue what you got. You have no you have no clue, which makes it kind of fun. Surprises are kind of fun. They can be bad, but they can be kind of fun. Anyway, that's not really a rant. Yeah, no, I'm right. not trying to go on a rant, but uh, that's kind of my point with Andrew Abbott and almost everybody else for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you're you're spot on. I mean, it's the only the only thing I know is I feel very, you know this is probably I guess maybe the best way that I can say it. I feel pretty confident that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the savior of the Cincinnati Reds. Really? I, just I, don't I know. think Matt McClain is a safer pick than Ellie. All right. I just don't know if he's going to be the savior in 2023. <laughs> I feel like long term he's he's the he's the guy. I mean, he's going he's going to bring us back. He he's going to be our Ronald Acuña or fill in whatever. I, I just don't know if it's going to happen in 2023. I don't either, but I don't. I don't say I don't care, but it's just like there's enough guys though that you don't have to have one guy. I mean, somebody's going to clip you up, and they're going to say, "Look what he said. He said that, he, that he's confident that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the savior of this franchise." And and and, and you know, I, I get what you're saying, but ultimately, like the, the, the where I feel so confident in it is like it could be four different guys that ultimately end up being a have end up having an unbelievable career as a red. And that's another thing I want to mention: an unbelievable career as a red. You know, we've had a lot of guys that have had pretty good careers that started out as Reds, and we we gave up on them. You could say we gave up on them too early, or you could say they were just they, it was a bad culture fit, or whatever it may be. But we, we get rid of them, and then they go on and they start to be you know the better version of themselves. I'd like to think that we've started to figure out a way to develop these guys, and when they come up, you know, they expect to win. They're a part of a good culture, and we'll see ultimately what ends up happening. But you know, this whole prospect worshiping or hugging or whatever term you want to use, man. I, I don't think, and maybe I'm naive. I, I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, they're, you know, what doesn't stink. I'm all for trading these guys when I think that we know what we have. I just don't think we know what we have yet. I'd hate to trade somebody that could be an unbelievable, you know, second baseman when it turns out that, I don't know. Somebody gets hurt, you know, and I'm not trying to forecast that, but you know, these guys are, these guys are human beings. They can get hurt. I mean, somebody in the infield can get severely hurt. And next thing you know, everybody's screaming and yelling that we have too many infielders. We might not have enough. I don't know. Has everyone forgotten that Will Benson was acquired this year for prospects? Like, does that not count? Like the Reds made a trade this year for a guy that had three hits tonight. That has been an incredible player all year. That is a huge reason why the Reds are where they're at. And they gave away a prospect. They gave away a second-round draft pick. So, like, does that not count? Do we just forget that one because they didn't make the trade for a pitcher that we wanted? They tr He traded for a prospect this year for a player that has been a damn good contributor to this team. 
No, that doesn't count. But that, but that one just gets washed away. That one doesn't count, I guess. No. No, that one doesn't count at all. CES doesn't count either. Yeah, steer doesn't count. Neither does steer. Besides those guys, though. It's it's one of those things where listen, I'm 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 here to have a rational debate about the whole thing. It's just dumb. I mean, it's just such it's so stupid. It's like it's a it's like it's like you it's almost like you set yourself up. You know what it reminds me of? It it reminds me of you going uh to the convenience store and like sitting around making fun of the people that are scratching scratch off tickets. And it's like, okay, yeah. Maybe they're making a bad life decision. Maybe you can judge them all you want. But you know what's funny is like you can sit there and say they're idiots all day long and you're probably going to be right because most people fail in this game. Most people are. We're, the Reds probably aren't going to win a World Series. So if you're going to sit here and say, I see someone on Twitter, listen listen to me. I'm just saying statistically speaking, they're not going to probably, like they're not supposed to win a World Series. Do I believe that they will? Of course I do. I'm a fan. I, I, I'm naive. I'm, I'm whatever you want to call it. But my main point to this is, is that I seen someone the other day say, they were defending. They were defending Doc's. By the way, shout out Doc. He's an OTB OG guest. Love Doc. No, no offense taken here. Uh, with 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 Paul Dottery. But but here's the thing. In the comments section, somebody said, "Well, maybe they should have gotten good Joe Blanton because Cueto and Vado and who who was the third guy? Uh, Volkus. They were like." They should have. Maybe they should have gotten go go Joe, Joe Blanton. They didn't win a World Series with those guys. It's like, are we really gonna sit here and act like that is the ultimatum? Like, can you imagine being like, well, the Bengals, the Bengals shouldn't have drafted Joe Burrow. They 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 didn't win a Super Bowl. Like, what the? I mean, what a dumb game we're playing here. But you know what I'm saying. But here's the thing: if that sob over there that's scratching them scratch off tickets scratches it off. And he becomes an uh, uh, an instant multimillionaire, and he gives a little bit of money to everybody in the room. You still walk out the thing happy, even though you're wrong. That's what pisses me off about the whole thing. These guys want to sit here and act like they 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 almost like root against their team. They almost like root against their team, and then it's like if the team wins, then oh, it's all good. Everything's great. Hell yeah, I'm a Reds fan. If everything goes bad, it's like. Oh, I was right. You're wrong. I told you so. Well, yeah. I mean, what the hell's the point of being a fan? Like, do we just want to be miserable? I don't want to be miserable. It's not fun. All right, I'm done with that kid show. The bullpen was great. I'm not talking about him again. Speaking of infielders, speaking of infielders, I'm, I'm done talking about the bullpen. They're great. We're not, we're, we're not talking about them, Nick. Save it for tomorrow. Jonathan India. Has a situation with his foot still. Nick Senzel gets sent down. I don't know how much more time I'm going to spend on this. I said it from the very beginning. I thought Stuart Fairchild was a better option, a better a better plug-and-play guy than Nick Senzel from the start. I did that months ago. Go back and check the tape. I just think it is. I think Stuart Fairchild, as an outfielder, defensively, offers more to this baseball team and sprint speed and everything else than Nick Senzel. Just those are the facts. I guess you agree yeah, with that, I, I thought- obviously. Yeah, I thought this was a good opportunity to send Sinzel down. Uh, it was funny. I put out a tweet. Uh, and literally, David Bell almost quoted what I said an hour later. Uh, but it, it was yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious. Like, the Reds have a bunch of off days. They only have one left-handed pitcher that they're going to face next week. 
Uh, it made sense to, to send Senzel down, get him some everyday at-bats. He says he's wanted everyday at-bats. Um, it, it, if you're in a game where there's a whole bunch of right-handed pitchers, Nick Senzel has absolutely zero value to this team. Uh, and the Reds have enough pinch hitters that they really don't need him as a pinch hitter. So I, I'm not giving up on Nick Senzel. He's had a great year against left-handed pitching. I think he could still have some value down the stretch. I just think this move made a lot of sense with with where the Reds are right now, uh, and it got an extra you know switch hitting bat in Henry Ramos. Who you know I'm not sold that that Henry Ramos is uh, good, but could Henry Ramos get hot for a week? Yeah, we already saw it, right? Yeah. He he's the kind of guy that you could have come up for a week and kind of get hot and kind of help you through this 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 time where you're. You're, you're down your best hitter against right-handed pitching and Jake Fraley. So I just think that that move made a lot of sense right now. And I still like Stuart Fairchild. I'm, I don't think Stuart Fairchild, I think it's unlikely. He's a big league regular. Uh, but I think he has a lot more upside than a lot of the other players that the Reds have run out there. Especially against, um, you know, especially as, as a right-handed batter against right-handed pitching. We, we know Newman and we know Sinzel cannot hit right-handed pitching. Stuart Fairchild? Probably can't hit him at a at a good level, but I'm not I'm not as for sure as those other two. Yeah, and he plays better defense, and he runs better. It just comes out of defense and running better for me. I, I it's how big of a how big of a difference is it between Nixon Zell and Fairchild in general at the plate? I mean, we're talking what at 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 the very most fifty points maybe in regards to whatever whatever you know whatever I guess statistical category you want to go through. It's, it's not a dramatic amount. It's just not. So the upside that I get from the defensive side, because if I have to watch Nick Senzel play the outfield one more time, all due respect to Nick, I'm going to throw up. Um, and I know Stuart Fairchild, like I said earlier, I tweeted this out. I think Stuart Fairchild made some great plays earlier this year defensively. Tonight he had a little bit of a small bad read, but to think that he should have caught that ball is a little ridiculous. Uh, he could have caught it, but I don't think he should have caught it. There's a big difference there. But like Steve Bartman... Very much, very much of Stuart Fairchild's image of what many Reds fans are going to think of is, you know, basically dropping a, a pop-up or fly ball, whatever term you want to use, in Wrigley Field. Um, I, I don't think his I don't think his career will be as altered as much as Steve Bartman's was, but I definitely think that many Reds fans are going to hold that over his head for a long time, no matter what he does. It's like this defining moment that. Fair or unfair, that's just part of it, you know? And I think that Fairchild is better defensively than people want to give him credit for. What also gets Steer out of the outfit. I know Steer made an, an error. Or not, yeah. an well, error, he did make an error. They don't give base. out errors in the MLB. They don't do that. Unless he, made I mean, a bad, he made a bad play at third base tonight. But I do think getting him out of the outfield it, it overall makes the team a better def defense. I am a little curious why he wasn't playing second tonight after that, that <laughs> whole thing where they said he was more comfortable at second. I think that they that, know. That, that's they, a they, they, I think they, they know what they're... Listen, can we cut the... The Reds, the Reds front office knows what they want their middle infield to be. They just do, okay? They, 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 they know what they want, and by God, they're not going to really deviate off of it a whole hell of a lot. That's just the facts, okay? Ellie De La Cruz is supposed to play shortstop. Matt McClain is supposed to play second base. That's... That's... Bar none, if the plan goes anywhere close to what they want it to be, 
Marte comes in. He plays third base. They'll figure out first base. Spencer Steer might slide into first base. Who knows where he ultimately ends up being. They did not expect, in my opinion, Spencer Steer to be as nowhere near as productive at the plate as he's been. So he's been a little bit of a bright spot. You know, it wouldn't shock me in the world if if, if Nick Craw flipped some of these guys that have had kind of over-their-head over type of starts. And I'm not suggesting they're going to trade Spencer Steer. Okay? I'm just saying in general... That's why you want depth in your organization. That's why you want multiple prospects is because you don't rely on, you don't you don't absolutely need one guy to pan out for everything to work itself out. So let's not let's not get ourselves let's just I, I, I all I'm saying is let's not confuse ourselves and let's not sit here and play games. That's what the middle infield's supposed to be for the Cincinnati Reds, okay? Period. Doesn't matter who likes what. Matt McLean's gonna be at second base, Spencer Steers at shortstop. That is clear as day what the future is, Nick Kirby. The question is just when is Martega come up? That's the that's might the only be question. A, uh, one more month. Depends how long uh, India's out. Uh, if India's actually out the rest of the year, uh, I I'll be interested to see what the timeline for Marte is. Well, some of that depends on some of that depends on how well he continues to play. You know, if he yeah. takes a nosedive in AAA, they probably aren't going to bring him up. But if he plays. The way he's been playing, I think they bring him up. And I think I think it's safe to say at this point, too, they might even hide behind the curtain and say, well, India's coming back from injury. I don't know if we can really put him in the field. We don't want to really risk his injury. We're going to DH him. I mean, that's just, I think that's not a bad idea. The less you're out on the field, Nick, the better chance you'd have, the, the, the less chance you have of getting injured. That's the way I look at it. You don't have to sell me, brother. I cannot wait to see Novi Marte. Yeah, I think that's he's unless be, you're Dustin uh, Johnson and you fall down the steps right before the Masters when you're the favorite to win the Masters. Besides that, most people get hurt on the field, not off. Shout out golf. Anyway, Nick. Yeah, I mean Sinzel is what it is. I think Sinzel. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's his last. I've seen some people in chat saying they think that's the last. That's the last they'll ever see of him in a Reds uniform. Ah, it's hard for me to say that. Uh, September call ups and something happens. I mean, which, yeah, there's. I don't. I don't foresee that. Unless he gets hurt at AAA, he's gonna get back up. I, I just there's there's no way. I mean, you're gonna have 28 players in 20 days on your roster. Uh, there's no AAA games after like the first week of September. So yeah, he'll he'll be back up. I I, I would be shocked if he's back up in two weeks. I I really don't think he's gonna be that that far down. I mean, it's interesting what they do with Steer though. If Marte turns out to be the player that we all think he's gonna be. I mean, left I field. I, I think, mean. I think he's super utility. I think that's what he's going to be is I think you're going to see him play uh, multiple positions. Uh, I, I feel like they're grooming him almost this year. Like, I, I think that's, a, I think that's actually part of their like strategic plan with him. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you need one guy like that. When you have all these guys that you really want to pencil into certain spots, you need a guy that can bounce around. I mean, how many injuries has Spencer Steer covered this year? Like every time someone gets hurt, up oh, Spencer Steer takes that spot. Votto's out for two months. Up, oh, play first base yeah. every day, brother. Fraley's out. Go to the outfield. All right, India's out. Go to the infield. I mean, you need a player like that, and uh, I think there's also some realistic uh, with Steer that they don't think he's a very good defensive player, and that's okay. Right. But he's like he's a cap. There's a difference between like a terrible defensive player and a capable right. defensive player. I think he's a capable player, and you can move him around, and it, it definitely has some value. 
I think he'll get better as 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 the years go on in those different positions as well. For to sure. Be fair, to be fair to him, uh, a couple quick things here to clear up. Sean Connor says India has played his last game. No, I did not say India. I said Nick Senzel. Let's be very clear about that. Jonathan India, when he's healthy and he comes back, he probably is without question going to play. However, if India does not come back this year, and let's just hypothetically say, of course, Marte comes up, and let's just say Marte does really well. I would say that there's a chance of that. There's a chance that that's the last. But I'm not rooting for anything. Like I, I don't. I don't I, I'm, I'm done rooting against our guys. I'm done with this whole thing of like, you know. I and, and listen, I'm even going to rally around Evan and tell Evan to be the same way because I was very much of, of Evan's camp. I felt the same way. It was like, oh yeah, let's trade, trade, trade. From now on, I'm going to make a pact. I'm going to tell you when I think our guys suck, Kevin Newman. But I'm also going to tell you. Or I'm not going to tell you that I think we should get rid of guys. Like I just, I, I, I want to root for our players. I don't want this to turn into like this. Uh, oh, you know, we should just ship every single person out that we think isn't playing all that well. I'm not doing that anymore. I maybe you've done it in the past. I'm not doing it anymore. So if Jonathan India, if he comes back and he continues to play for the Reds, I hope he plays great. If he, if it ends, turns out that they trade him, then they trade him. It is what it is. So the only guy I actually hope they extend is Matt McClain. I really do hope they extend him. I think if the season's taught us anything, it's how valuable depth is. You know, we started the year so confident in our big three, and two of the starters have barely pitched this year. Right. Uh, we felt like in June, oh my gosh, there's just so many players. We we have so many guys in this lineup. How are we going to get at-bats for everyone? And now we're like, uh, well, who are we going to play at third base today? You know, it, it, it comes and goes quick. And, like, look at Luke Weaver. I mean, he's been terrible, but Connor Phillips couldn't get out of the second inning. His last start at AAA. Levi Stout's currently giving up five run runs and two and two-thirds innings at AAA. Like, depth is important. So, like, yeah, I mean, Jonathan India's sorely missed right now. Jake Fraley's sorely missed right now. Yes, uh, I think it'll become less of a problem the, the, the further we get into, you know, 2024, 2025, because there's just so many talented young players in the minors uh, that are going to continue to get better, continue to get closer. But I, 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 I keep like, I'll even, I'll even fall into the trap myself. I've always been like a depth is so important guy, but I even fell into the trap in June. Like, oh man, we have so many guys and, and we can't, we can't fall into that trap because man, blink of an eye, it can, it can change really quick. It can, because if I told you at the beginning of the year that if a guy like Will Benson and Matt McLean and Spencer Steer on opening day, if I told you that those three guys, if they go down with injury, this team is in bad shape, you'd laugh at me a little bit. Now, you'd probably have a point because none of those guys have done anything in the big leagues, and if you watched the first week of, of, of Will Benson, you would definitely would have laughed at me. But that's where we're at. I mean, depth depth is only great when there's guys that are actually ready to be big leaguers right now. Jose Barrero is probably the one guy, in my opinion, that if he would have played well or played decent, I guess is the right word to use here, he's the only guy I could see that you'd have a situation with or an issue with or trying to figure out what you do with him. I almost would venture to say that with Jose Barrero playing really, really well, I don't think Ellie comes up as fast as he does, and I don't think Matt McLean comes up as fast as he does. I really don't. I think they would have given them guys some more time down there, but you know, when McLean was tearing the cover off the baseball and Ellie was doing ridiculous stuff on StatCast every single day, 
and and Jose Barrera was playing as bad as he was, and Kevin Newman really wasn't playing all that much better. They just made a decision to just bring him up and see what happens, and it turns out those guys gave us a spark and gave us a chance to, to get in the playoffs. So, who knows? It's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird way this whole thing goes. It's like it's, some of it feels like luck, if we're being honest. Feels like the Reds have had some of the best luck and some of the worst luck, and I, I mean, I guess that's just baseball for you, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it feels like the Reds have gotten very lucky at times this year, but they also haven't had their two best pitchers most of the year. So, that's, like, that's, that's a great point. the The thing is, is like everybody points to like all of these these things. Like sometimes we always sit here and we say, okay, um, w- look how fortunate the Reds are. I mean, they got guys like Will Benson, and they got guys like uh, Ellie and McLean and Steer and, and Andrew Abbott and all these guys coming up, and they're they're just playing above their heads, or or they're they're a lot better than everyone thought they were going to be. It's like, well. I mean, Graham Ashcraft was absolutely horrible for for four or five starts this year. Horrible. So bad, Nick, that me and you were like hoping and praying that maybe Ashcraft wasn't significantly hurt against the Dodgers back when we had that uh, businessman special when he got hit in the leg. We were actually hoping that he was maybe going to get a rehab start in AAA because we he was throwing so bad. They didn't end up doing that. Then you got a guy like Nick Lodola, who we thought was going to basically be our, our one-two punch or our big three and you got Hunter Green who signed an extension and then he's not he's been basically absent all year long like those that is a major 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 loss and we've sucked through it figured it out now Luke Weaver's been the benefactor of that Luke Weaver without that probably isn't playing major league baseball right now but I think we probably only need to see Luke Weaver throw one more time one more time maybe Maybe two. What? what do I, don't wanna, I don't even want to. I don't want to. I just. I don't want to say anything on it because I feel like I'm jinxing it if I say anything. Like, yeah, I think. I think I could look at the calendar. We only need one more Luke Weaver start, and then as soon as we only need one more Luke Weaver start, we need. We need another six. Am I right? Yeah. Maybe we should shut up about <laughs> it. All right. Let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action on Friday night, and we'll start. With Arizona, the Arizona Complex League, because Nick Lodolo threw two shutout innings, allowed just one hit, no walks, and struck out four batters. Very positive start for Nick Lodolo on his recovery back. Triple A, the Louisville Bats, they lost 5-0 to St. Paul. Bats now 59-51 on the season. Now all the way back to four and a half back in the second half race in the International League. Levi Stout, he struggled on Friday night. Four innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs. He allowed three home runs. Stout, unfortunately, with a 5.55 ERA through 16 starts at AAA and a 1.61 whip. Noelvi Marte was one for four. Jose Barrera was 0 for three. Did have a 101-mile-an-hour flyout. And then Kirk Casale, he made his rehab debut he was one four three down to double a the chattanooga lookouts they beat up on the pensacola blue wahoos 12 to 7 lookouts now 57 and 48 on the year blake dunn was one for three hit his 15th home run of the season reese hines did walk twice and jacob herdeby was two for five with a triple down to high a the dayton dragons they won in 10 innings eight to six over wisconsin 
Dragons now 55 and 51 on the season, and they are in a three-way tie for first place in the Midwest East League. Jose Acuna got the start for the Dragons. Five innings pitched, just allowed one earned run. Did walk four, did strike out four. Edwin Arroyo was on base three times, including a double. Sal Stewart recently called up to Dayton, two for five. Another good night for him. Austin Hendrick was also two for five, and he doubled. Loe, the Daytona Tortugas, they split a doubleheader on Friday. Cam Collier was a combined one for five in the two games, but hit his fifth home run of the season. Hector Rodriguez, four for six in the two games. Victor Acosta was three for six with a double. And then Bryce Hubbard, he threw a scoreless perfect inning. It was uh, Hubbard's first appearance since July 4th coming off the I.L., Hubbard, the lefty, was a Reds' third-round draft pick in 2022. All right, well, Reds and Pirates back in action Saturday night at 7.05. For the Pirates, it'll be right-handed pitcher Andre Jackson. It will be likely a semi-bullpen game for the Pirates. Jackson was acquired from the Dodgers for cash back in late June. Jackson has been nearly used exclusively as a reliever this year. He's been up and down between AAA and the majors for both the Pirates and Dodgers. He has a 5.16 ERA in 22 and two-thirds innings in the majors this season. Jackson does strike a lot of batters out, but also does struggle at times with walks and homers. Jackson has been really good since being acquired by the Pirates. He's got a 3.38 ERA in 10 and two-thirds innings at AAA, but then he got promoted last week, and he has been perfect so far for the Pirates. Five perfect innings with no walks and seven strikeouts. Jackson threw 30 pitches in his last outing on Tuesday against the Braves. He's reached as high as 75 pitches in the minors in a game earlier this season, but that was a ways away. A couple Reds have actually seen Jackson of late, and they're Reds that saw Jackson in the minors. TJ Hopkins hit a home run off Jackson back on July 27th when Jackson faced the Louisville Bats. Brett Kennedy actually started that game for the Bats. Stuart Fairchild and Henry Ramos each went 0-for-1 against Jackson. Jackson has not faced any Reds at the Major League level. Well, for the Reds, it'll be the lefty Brandon Williamson. Williamson has a 3.19 ERA in seven starts since July 1st. Williamson striking out a lot of batters of late. He struck out 16 in his last two starts. That's covering 11 innings. And Williamson, he's been very consistent of late. He's allowed three earned runs or less in nine of his last 10 starts. This will be Williams Williamson's first game ever against the Pirates. Has struggled a little bit more on the road than actually at Great America Ballpark. 5.40 ERA in seven starts on the road versus a 3.97 at home. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for Chatterbox Reds. If I could just ask one favor of you, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We appreciate all of the love and support that you have all given us. But just leave us a quick five-star review. That kind of stuff really goes a long way. We will be live for Chatterbox Reds post-game, ninth inning of Reds Pirates on Saturday night. So that'll be right around 9.30. Love for you to join us. Make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports. Hit that bell in the top right corner. Turn on notifications 
so you're always aware whenever we go live. And of course, if you missed that, no, we're starting to get into uh, high school sports. We'll have college football, all that kind of stuff coming up soon. So I know some of you will miss the Reds game, but Chatterbox Reds, every single morning after Reds game, we have a podcast in your feed bright and early. So stay with us. Keep yourself in the loop on all things Reds. Even if you're able to miss the game, we'll try to uh, let you know what happened and, of course, try to have some fun conversation along the way. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Saturday. And as always, go Reds.